This morning, as we continue our series in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, while you're finding that, just again a reminder, Wednesday night has just been amazing. Another great turnout on Wednesday night, and uh, just four weeks to go. We've, we've gotten four weeks down, four weeks to go. We'd like, love to encourage you to be a part of our Wednesday night. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. The Bible says, He, God, did not put the world to come about which we are speaking under the control of angels. First of all, we're reminded that there's a world to come, that this world is not all that there is or all that there is to live for. But secondly, he's beginning to remind us about the special relationship that we as human beings have to God. When God created everything, the universe, and everything in it, mankind, you and I, are not on an equal plane with everything else in creation. He actually created us to be the pinnacle of creation. If you go back to the book of Genesis, he told Adam and Eve, my plan, my design for you is that you rule and reign over everything else. That you fill the earth and subdue it. That you have dominion over everything. That was God's design. God said, I envision you as the crowning jewel of my creation to be the stewards of everything I create. That I am entrusting you to manage everything around you. What what a great privilege. What a, what a great opportunity. And yet the Bible teaches us that when sin entered into the human race, we lost the ability to be effective stewards, effective managers of all that God has entrusted to us. Yes, he is going to give us one day that opportunity again. And he even gives that to us now in sort of the in-between. In fact, he says here in verse nine, or verse 8, he says, you put all things under his control, speaking of mankind. And that's exactly what he did in the book of Genesis. For when he put all things under his command, he left nothing outside of his control. Everything. Everything in creation was to be managed and stewarded by us as human beings. But notice what the author of Hebrews reminds us of. At present, we do not yet see all things under his control. Again, because of sin, man has become lacking, if you will, in being good stewards of all the earth. We are not as effective managers as God intended us to be. Sin destroys that ability. It it holds us back from being that. And God, in this in-between time, calls His followers, those who have placed faith in Him, to be reminded that we need to come to a place where we acknowledge and recognize that much of life, we're not enough. We can't handle the responsibilities that even we are given now without the help of God. And you see this, if we're honest. It doesn't take long for life to get out of balance. Because again, why? 
Well, on our own, we're not very good stewards or managers of our time, our talent, our treasure. That many people's lives get very chaotic and sort of out of order very easily on their own. And so the message of the author of Hebrews, because he was facing this with those who were going to read this letter, is remember something. That though we are not enough, Jesus is enough. He is more than enough. And at this point in our lives, before God restores to us in the world to come, the ability to manage and rule over all of his creation, including angels, by the way, the Bible teaches. I don't know whether you know that or not, but as human beings who have faith in Jesus Christ, one day the Bible says we will even rule over the angelic realm. That he says, even in this in-between time, we need the help of Jesus. And Jesus is more than willing to help us be better managers of our lives. Better stewards of the things that God has entrusted to us. Because what we need to truly come to grips with is all of our life is stewardship. And all of eternity, the world to come, is nothing but stewardship. God says, I'm going to give you what you did not create to manage I'm going to give you what I created to be a steward of. How effective are we? That's really what life is all about. How are we doing as stewards? How are we doing as managers of our own life? Now, I will say this. In verse 8, there's sort of a sad note. At present, we don't see all things under our control. In fact, a lot of our lives and the life around us of people, it's out of control. They're not in control of their own lives. Their life has gotten the best of them. But notice he says two words. At present, we do not yet. There's hope. Because again, the plan is that one day, through what Jesus Christ has done for us, God is going to restore to us again the ability to totally manage and be stewards over everything in the universe in the world to come. Now that's great, and we could stop there and go, Amen, I'm, I'm glad I have that hope, I'm glad I've got that to look forward to. But let's face it, folks, we've still got this life to live. We're, we're still living here on this earth, in this broken world, with with broken people and and sin and all of that. So what's the message today for us? The message is that even though we should come to a place where we recognize we're not enough, Jesus is enough. He is more than enough. And part of the reason, too, why God wants to build into our lives now, even now, the ability to be great managers and great stewards of all that we have been given and entrusted by God is because that's the only way you and I will truly be able to make an impact and influence and help others. Now, listen to what I'm saying. It, it just even makes just sense. I'll give just, I'll use my life as an example. If my life is out of balance, if my life is chaotic, if my life is not in order, if, if I'm not, if I don't have the ability through God to be able to manage my life effectively, then how can I ever be of use to you? How can I ever help you? 
because I'm spending all of my time, all of my energy on just trying to keep my life together. How can I then encourage others? How can I help? How can I support others? So God says about his people, I want you to learn to be great managers and stewards of your life and the things that I've entrusted to you so that your life can be in somewhat of an order and not out of balance so that not only you have your life under control, but then you can come alongside of others and you can help them as well. So in this passage of scripture we're going to look at this morning, we're going to see how Jesus is enough for us. And I hope that this message will greatly encourage you. Whether your life is chaotic or out of balance or not, all of us, again, as human beings, have the struggle of keeping our life together and keeping it in order and keeping it in balance and managing all the things that have been entrusted to us. Now, maybe part of the problem is we've taken on more responsibility than we should. And maybe another problem is we're not stepping up and taking on the responsibility that we should. That can also be part of it. But either way, all of life and all of eternity will be a stewardship. Again, we are given things to manage, things to rule over, things to uh, be stewards of that we did not create, that were given to us by God. How are we doing? Well, let me give you some encouragement along those lines. Beginning in chapter 2 and verse... uh, 13, excuse me, 13. He says, again, he says, it will be, I will be confident in him. And again, here I am with the children God has given me. Then verse 14, therefore, since he himself, or since the children, excuse me, share in flesh and blood, he likewise shared in their humanity. Part of the reason why Jesus is enough is because Jesus knows and understands what it means to be human. In fact, look at verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect. Now, because Jesus is God and he created human beings, he already knows what, in a sense, it's like to be human. He didn't become human for his sake to somehow give himself greater insight into what it meant to be human. He did it for our sake. In a sense, he went the extra mile and said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to, as God, be willing to wrap myself up in humanity and share in your, your, in your humanity so that you know when you call upon me, when you ask me to help, that I, as God, know exactly what it's like to be a human being. In fact, the word shared there in verse 14 speaks about becoming a full participant. Jesus Christ is all in to reach out to us human beings and to share his love with us and for us. What's the shame is that many followers of Jesus Christ aren't all in with God. They're half-hearted and half-committed in their relationship with God. And yet here was God saying, I'm going to be all in towards you. Even though I'm God and I can stay up here in heaven and live in glory and be adored by the angels and all of that, 
I'm going to robe myself in full humanity and I'm going to become human for all of eternity. Because remember something, when Jesus took on our humanity, he did it fully and he did it permanently. Yes, Jesus is 100% God and always will be, but the Bible also teaches he will always be 100% human. Which is why it's going to be really cool that when you and I get to heaven, we actually get to see him and touch him just like his own followers did when he was here on earth. Why? Because he shared in our humanity. See, you and I can never say, Jesus doesn't know what it's like to live in hot weather. Yeah, he does. In fact, he walked everywhere. We usually drive everywhere. He doesn't know what it's like to be tired. Yeah, he did. He doesn't know what it's like to be hungry, thirsty. He knew what it was like because he shared in our humanity. And that's part of the reason why, folks, he is enough to help us be stewards and good managers of our lives. Because he knows the limitations of being human. He knows the fragileness of being human. He knows the feebleness of being human because he shared in our humanity. The second thing that the author of Hebrews says about why Jesus is enough is in verse 15, he be, or in verse 14, he begins to tell us, and he came to also destroy the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and set free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Another reason why Jesus is enough is he is able to deliver us from fear, all fear. But he's using here the greatest fear of mankind, the fear of death, to say, if Jesus Christ can set us free from the fear of death, if he can deliver human beings from the fear of death, then he is powerful enough to deliver us from every other fear that we will face. Sometimes the reason why we're not good managers and stewards and we don't step up and take on the responsibilities that we should or we shirk the responsibilities we should is because of fear. We're afraid. We're afraid. And so many even people today, obviously, because of the way the world is, live in fear all the time. They are just filled with angst. They are stressed. They are anxious. They're just always worried. Their whole life is paralyzed by fear. And the author of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ came to be human, to be enough for us. And oh, by the way, as he came and when he came, he is able to deliver each of us from all of our fears. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest, dangerous valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, he says. Why? Because you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you're here this morning... And you are suffering from fear. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is more than enough to deliver you and set you free from your fear. Then he says, as he goes on, that Jesus Christ is also more than enough because he says in verse 16, surely his concern is not for angels. Not that he's not concerned about angels. But he is concerned for Abraham's descendants, which, by the way, that's you and I. Anyone who has placed their faith like Abraham in Jesus Christ, we are, according to the Bible, a descendant of Abraham and share in those blessings that he promised to Abraham. I want to focus on the word concern. 
Why is Jesus more than enough for me? Because he shared in my humanity. He knows and understands what it's like to be human. And he can deliver me from all my fears. Third, the word concern speaks about the fact that we are never out of his reach. And that he's willing to come alongside of us and lay hold of us. Literally, it means to put his arm around us, or as a a guy especially, we might not think that's a little good, but he'll lay his hand on my shoulder and he will walk with me every day of my life. That's what the word concern means. It's not just an emotion like, oh, I'm concerned for them. It means he will reach out as far as he has to to place his hand on us or to put his arm around us and say, let's walk together, Jeff, and let's do this together. That's concern. Some of you may be here today and maybe you think, I'm a hopeless case, I'm too far gone, whatever. God can never reach me. That's not the message of the Bible because then he wouldn't be enough. What the Bible teaches is there is no human being who is so far out of God's reach that God will not extend his great hand and reach out to him if we look to him. In fact, the prophet Isaiah said, is God's arm too short that it cannot save? No, never. So even this morning, maybe God is reaching out. Maybe he has to reach way out, but he's reaching You're not out of his reach. And he not only wants to reach you and me. Again, he wants to lay hold of us. He wants us to, in a sense, feel in a very tangible way that he's placing his mighty hand on our shoulder or around our shoulders and saying, let's do this together. You don't need to try to manage your life on your own anymore. You don't need to be stewards of all that you're responsible for by yourself. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, will come alongside of you and I will help you every day. Another reason why Jesus is enough. Verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, there's many little nuances of the words merciful and faithful. But I landed on this definition of those two words combined. If you study those words, I think you will come to the same conclusion. That the reason why Jesus Christ is enough is because he is always able to give us his full and undivided attention. And I know that's sort of like, boo, how is that possible? He's one God And yet there's millions of people on the planet. What if every human being on the planet wanted his attention at the same time? He could do it. I don't know how he does it. I can't explain it. But by faith, I accept it. That Jesus Christ, being God, is able to give you and me, even at the same time, his full and undivided attention. Folks, we don't even get that with one another. How many times have you even been with, say, a friend or a family member, and you really needed to talk with them or talk out something with them, and you could just tell that they were there physically, but they weren't with you? They were thinking about something else, or they were looking past you, or they, they were, you know, you... They, They weren't really with you. 
See, the great thing about Jesus and why he's enough is that any time you and I call upon him, he is right there, right in our face, looking us eyeball to eyeball, if you will, and saying, okay, Jeff, what do you need? What do you, what do you, let's talk. And I mean, he's all in. He's totally engaged with me. What a blessing. That's why he's a merciful and faithful high priest. Because it's one thing to try to seek help from people, but if they're not really giving us their full and undivided attention and really listening to us, then are they really helping us? And can they really help us? And what you and I should discover about our Lord Jesus is that he's the best listener any of us could ever have, and he will be fully engaged with us anytime we want to talk to him. Then the author says this, Not only is he a merciful and faithful high priest in things relating to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. Another reason why Jesus Christ is enough is because he made atonement. What's it mean? It means that he offered up himself to meet our greatest need. What was our greatest need? We needed someone to take on our sin on our behalf. Instead of us paying for sin. The word atonement speaks about, in a sense, also, not just taking on our sin, but taking the punishment for our sin. Taking the wrath of God on himself for our sin. Because sin must be dealt with. It must be punished in some way. It must be judged in some way. That's what it means to be a holy God. And Jesus said, I will not only take on their sin, I will take the punishment that is due for their sin on myself. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he not only took our sin, he took our punishment. He took the wrath of God that would have been directed towards us upon himself, which is why Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? For that one moment in time, God the Father turned his back even on the Son of God for that moment because he was the object of God's wrath. Think about it. If Jesus Christ did that for us, that's our greatest need. Our greatest need was the need of a Savior. Our greatest need was someone who would take our sin on himself who knew no sin. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our greatest need was that someone would take our punishment for all of our sin on himself, even though he didn't deserve it. If he did that, then can he not meet every lesser need in our life? You and I worry about needs, supposedly, and of course we talked Wednesday about You and I have to do a better job of differentiating our desires from our needs. Because as I shared with the folks on Wednesday night, our desires as human beings will never be satisfied. And our needs, truly, our needs are very few when it comes right down to it. But the Bible says that he met our greatest need. He saved us. We have salvation. And yet we worry And we're concerned about much lesser needs in our life than that. And God's trying to say, look, if I was faithful to meet your greatest need, can I not be trusted to meet all your lesser needs in your life? If I've made atonement for your sin, 
By the way, I don't want to get off on this this morning, but this is why I so strongly believe that the church, you and I who know the Lord as our Savior, is going to be raptured out before the tribulation period. Because the the seven-year tribulation period is a period where God pours out His wrath on the earth and those who dwell on it. God's not ever going to pour out His wrath on us who believe in Him because that wrath was already taken upon Jesus Christ. Remember, we're called the bride of Christ. Is the bridegroom going to beat up his bride before he takes her home? What kind of bridegroom would he be? And yet there are so many Christians that say and believe that we're going to live through the tribulation period. I say, no way. There's no biblical evidence for that at all. When Jesus Christ took the wrath of God on Himself for our sin on the cross, then we don't ever have to worry about the wrath of God anymore in our lives. That was once and for all paid for. Period. Done. There is no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Paul said in Romans 8.1. And then the author says this, verse 18. Another reason why Jesus Christ is enough is He Himself suffered when he was tempted. By the way, the word tempted doesn't just mean to be solicited to evil. It means to be put to the test. And really, isn't that what life is all about? Every day we get up, we're put to the test. What kind of stewards, what kind of managers are we going to be? And the Bible says, he himself suffered. Another reason why Jesus is enough for us is he knows what it's like to suffer. Again, you and I can't say when we go through any kind of suffering, well, Jesus doesn't know what that feels like. Yes, he does. He knew what it was like to be emotional, to go through emotional suffering. He knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knew what it was like to be insulted and mocked and made fun of. He knew exactly what that's like because that's exactly what happened to him while he was here on earth. And he obviously knows what it's like to physically suffer. He was beaten. He was scourged by the Romans. He was crucified. He was nailed to a cross. His beard was plucked out. He had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. Do you not think Jesus knows pain? Yeah, he does. Which is again why he is more than enough to help us manage our life and be better stewards of the things that God has entrusted to us. Because he went through suffering. In fact, I believe he went through way more suffering than you and I ever could imagine. I think the most horrible way to die was the way invented by Romans when it came to crucifying who they deemed as criminals, and that's crucifixion. If you study crucifixion, if you study how that was done, you will come to the conclusion that I came to that there's no more horrible way that mankind ever devised to kill someone else than crucifixion. He suffered. He knows what it's like to feel all that. That's why he can feel what you and I feel. That's why he's affected by the things that affect us. That's why he weeps and grieves because he does understand. He does know. 
And then finally, in verse 18, Jesus is more than enough because he is able to help those who are being put to the test themselves. He is able to help. Let me share with you for just a moment what that means. It means that he will provide urgently needed help. That's what the word help means. Urgently needed help. It means he will supply immediate relief. I've seen that in my own life. So often, when you and I need help, it's like we almost have to wait for it, right? Like if we've got something going on, you know, in our lives, even if you call up for an appointment, it's like, well, I can see in a couple weeks. And you and I know how agonizing that is. It's like, a couple weeks? What am I going to do for a couple weeks? Now I'm just going to think about this. For, and, and what the Bible says is that Jesus can come into our lives, come into our minds, come into our... And he can provide immediate relief and bring peace that passes all understanding and bring calm and confidence and composure to our lives immediately. I have seen people who literally were shaking with fear and trembling who were immediately brought under the presence and power of Jesus Christ and, in a sense, healed of that. That's the power of Jesus that can come into our lives. But I love this, too. You know what else that word help means? It means that if you and I are willing to call out and cry out to Jesus, He will run to us to help. Now, what I love about that, too, is that Jesus, being a gentleman, will never insert himself into our life if we don't want him there. If we want to continue to manage our lives without his help, we think we're doing a pretty good job on our own. If we want to be stewards of all that we have been entrusted to, and we think that we can handle all that life is going to bring to us without any help from God, God says, that's your choice. I, I won't force all this on you. But if you call out to me, if you cry out to me at any point, you are never beyond my reach. And I will run to you to help in any and every situation you're asking for my help in. What a, what a God. Think about it. And this is why the author is saying to his readers a couple thousand years ago, the reason you're struggling, the, the reason you're, you're getting ready to throw up your hands and throw in the towel to life and following Christ and everything is because you have become very poor managers and very poor stewards of what you have been given. And here's the reason why. You're trying to do it on your own. And you and I don't need to do it on our own. Jesus wants to come into our life and he wants to help. And with his help, you and I can actually become very good, effective managers and stewards of all that we have been given to, to manage. And isn't that the goal? That goal one day to hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant or steward is actually the word. One who managed one who was a steward of what you did not create, but was given to you or entrusted to you. 
See, God wants to make us good stewards. Why? Because all of life is a stewardship. And all of the world to come is nothing but a stewardship. One day we do have the hope that as followers of Jesus Christ, we will actually be in charge of the world to come. We will rule and reign over angels and everything in the new heaven and the new earth. What a privilege. But God says, I don't want to wait till that point to train you to be good stewards and managers of life. I want to begin training you right here and now on earth. And I want you to know with my help, because my son Jesus Christ is more than enough for you, because he shared in our humanity, he's able to deliver us from death. Nothing is ever beyond his reach where he will not come alongside of us and wrap his arm around us and say, let's do this together. He will always give us his full and undivided attention. He, through the atonement, has met our greatest need. He knows what it's like to suffer. And he is willing and able to help us. Jesus is more than enough. Will you and I be willing today to call out or cry out to him and say, Jesus, I need your help. Maybe there's a part of your life right now or maybe even most of your life right now out of balance, out of control, chaotic, driving you crazy. And you know down deep in your heart, you can't really help anybody else because you're just trying to do everything you can 24-7 to keep your own head above water and keep your life together. I'm here to tell you today, the answer is Jesus Christ. Will you open up your heart to Jesus today and invite him to come in and help? Would you stand with me? Our worship team is going to come. Before we pray, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, even though we don't yet see all things under control, we do see Jesus. And the word see is a very interesting word. It means to voluntarily observe something and to really continually take notice of it. So the author of Hebrews is encouraging us today as followers of Jesus Christ to look to Jesus, to take notice of him and all that he is for us and to recognize that he is more than enough for us. And here's, first of all, what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite... Anyone here this morning who says, I want Jesus' help for something in my life right now. Maybe you're in need of physical healing. You're dealing with something physically in your life. Maybe you're in need of some kind of emotional healing. You're fighting some damaged emotions or deep hurt in your life over something. Maybe it's a forgiveness or lack of forgiveness issue. I don't know what it is, but it's 
It's affecting your emotions. Or maybe some of you here today are in need of just some spiritual healing in some way. Your heart needs changed. Your your mind needs changed. You need that change of heart that only Jesus Christ can bring. I'm going to ask you right now, would you come here to the front and just join me here before we even start singing this song this morning? Would some of you come here and say, I need Jesus' help and acknowledge that today? I want to call out and cry out to Jesus today, my merciful and faithful high priest. As people are coming, we're just going to sing a part of this song and then I'm going to come out and I'm going to set another invitation in place. As people come here and call out to the Lord this morning.